At Total Wine & More, find the best gifts for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for sis or a single-barrel bourbon that dad will love. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Where can you find the best gifts at great low prices that everyone will love? At Total Wine & More, of course, with so many great bottles to choose from. Find something for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for your sis, sparkling wine for a coworker, or a single barrel bourbon for dad. And if you need any help, just ask one of their friendly guides for advice. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly, B21. Hi, I'm Kristen McGlory, lifelong genius hunter. For almost a decade, I've been unearthing the recipes that have changed the way we cook. Now, on the Genius Recipe Tapes, we go behind the scenes with the geniuses themselves. This week, I'm joined by Michelle Humes, food writer, artist, and author of the Noodle Soup Oracle. I actually recorded this conversation with Michelle back in May, before I moved across the country to California when Michelle and I were both quarantining in our respective apartments in Brooklyn. Groceries were still really hard to find consistently, and I was struggling, along with my husband, to figure out how to feed our family three times a day while also both working and trading off taking care of our one-year-old full-time. In those chaotic weeks, Michelle's shishito-style green peppers saved our lunches a lot. Shoppers don't exactly clamor for green bell peppers, so they were relatively easy to come by, and they seemed to stay suspended in perfect condition in our refrigerator until we needed them. Slicing and searing them for Michelle's recipe truly takes all of 10 minutes, and suddenly our stale apartment would smell alive, and our grilled cheeses would look like a complete meal. We started to shishito any crunchy peppers we came across, from red and yellow bells to those bags of little multicolored sweet peppers that we would just singe whole and not even bother slicing. But the green bell peppers are especially good. Maybe because they do a pretty convincing impression of a platter of blistered shishitos, or maybe because we just love a good underdog story. Speaking of, at the end of the episode, some Food52 community members called in to share even more love for the most underappreciated of peppers, along with cooking ideas for making them better than we ever thought they could be. But first, here's Michelle on the keys to those shishito-style peppers, her 30-year path to writing the noodle soup oracle, and how she's been cooking and feeding herself as she recovers from COVID-19. Thank you so much for joining. Where are you right now? So I am right next to Prospect Park in South Brooklyn. Okay, um, you're at home, you're, yes. you're where you live. I forgot to even specify that because it seems so obvious. <laughs> <laughs> like, where else would I be? Um, and I have, I have my cat at my feet and, I, and I'm wondering if she's gonna make an appearance. Well, it's, it, it feels obvious because we are so mired in whatever existence we are in right now, but you know, some people have left and holed up somewhere else. So I, I also am in Brooklyn right now in my apartment. So what not, neighborhood do you live in? Uh, in Park Slope. So we're not very far from each other. We're not. Except we are. It's so bizarre. Yeah. So bizarre. So how are you, how are you feeling? I'm experiencing this sort of weird loss of time and space. Um, like many people um, in New York, I think that is amplified by a near total loss of smell as well, which makes today's conversation about peppers and cooking kind of a strange one to have. You lost your sense of smell because of COVID-19, correct? Yes. Yes. I, I, I came down with COVID-19 nearly two months ago and a few days into it, 
um, I completely lost my sense of smell and then most of my taste with that. But I, I've since made a, a complete recovery in every other way. Like I feel very healthy. There's just this kind of this, this wall that has descended between me and food. So I haven't been doing as much of the cooking that, you know, a lot of people have during this time to keep themselves motivated and alive and connected, which is strange because cooking is what I do. Well, I'm so happy to hear that you're feeling healthy and that your smell and taste is coming back. What have you been eating? What have you been cooking to feed yourself when you don't have taste and smell? Yeah, I would love to say noodle soup. That would be a great answer. But I'm so emotional about that food that knowing that I won't be able to experience it fully like makes me want to not engage with it at all. Noodle soup, whether instant or slow cooked, would have been perfect for a time like this, except I just, I emotionally can't do it. Um, and since I can't taste well, um, I've been going for two types of food. One is like Thai, mm -hmm. because it's like, I can still taste like basic sweet and salty mm -hmm. and Thai food like really delivers. Like I want like the, the absolute lowest quality takeout pad Thai, like makes me really happy right now because it's so sweet. And also textures are really important. So last night I, I made... Uh, roast potatoes with, you know, when you cook it in the baking soda and that really like roughs up mm -hmm. the, like, so you, you parboil the potatoes in, in a baking soda solution that roughs up the outside and then you can get them really, really crispy in the oven. So the contrast between the crispy and the creamy when I can't taste well, that's like giving me something that noodle soup right now is not. But hopefully soon. Yes, it is coming back. Good. I'm so glad to hear it. Well, speaking of noodle soup, do you have your book nearby so that you can- I do, I do. It, it just so happens, what do you know? The Noodle Soup Oracle by me, um, words and pictures, yes. And the, the pictures you painted with watercolors? Um, I often work in watercolor, but these are all digital. You can do everything, I think. I, I can't smell so well, but I can do, I can do a range of other things. <laughs> um, yeah, like I'm just- I am very, very passionate about noodle soup and I wanted to get at it from all possible angles. It's just like this, this dish has been a lifelong obsession for me. So even before I started writing it, I had just been collecting like noodle soup information um, and all the countries I visited, wherever it was possible to eat noodle soup, I was always doing that. So I just, it was, it was ready to go before I started. So you've been doing this research on this book without knowing it your whole life. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I mentioned in my book that when my parents got divorced when I was you know, about eight or nine years old, um, noodle soup was the dish that my mother turned to because she was still working full time. She was suddenly a single mother and we just lived off noodle soup. And it just, it became this dish that for me was like whenever you don't know what else to eat or to do, that's, the dish that you reach for. So it had just always been a big part of my life. And in the book, you have both the long simmered, big project style noodle soups, and also the kind that you can make just spur of the moment when you get home and you're tired. Yeah. And you have hacks too for it. You don't, you don't need to have a luxurious broth that you've been simmering all day. That That's one of the things that I love seeing in your book too. Yeah. Like I, you know, I went to culinary school and I trained in classical French cooking, but it's not every day I walk into the kitchen and make a boeuf bourguignon from scratch. And I, I want to be honest about that. Um, I do make stock sometimes. 
and other times I don't. I, I don't think it should be seen as a failure at all. And that, that's what I wanted to get across. And if you are going to use you know, broth out of a box, which I often do, there are ways that you can, you know, tweak it a little bit. This is not a book, you know, shaming anyone for shortcuts, but you also don't have to take the shortcuts. It's a dish that can be high or low or like any combination in between. All of the above. Well, speaking of shortcuts, finding shishito peppers is not always easy. They're not always in season. No. And certainly not now. I, I wouldn't know where to get them right now. Yeah, it's a summer kind of early fall thing. And then the crops vary from year to year. I don't know if you've experienced, I think the dictionary definition of a shishito pepper, like there should be like one in 10 that are spicy. But in reality, there are some years where none of them are spicy. And then sometimes they're much more spicy. Apparently it has to do with how warm the season was. Oh, which, so if it's warmer, you get spicier ones or vice versa? Vice versa. Oh, colder ones create spicier crops. Because if, if it's warm, they just ripen really quickly and they, they just get sweet. Got it. I don't want to give you a lecture about peppers. <laughs> <laughs> it was news to me until relatively recently that red peppers, yellow peppers, and green peppers are like one thing, mm-hmm. but at different stages. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize that. And I, you know, shishito is the same idea. Um, once it's ripened past a certain point, you're not going to have that spice. It's not that one in 10 are spicy genetically, you know? Uh, okay. So they're just at different stages of ripeness. They are spicier or less. So, yeah. Wow. Well, and I should say also when you can find shishitos, they are just as easy to make at home. Oh but... yeah, yeah. They can be quite pricey. Mm. Yeah. Um, but that also varies from year to year. See, it's a very elastically priced little pepper. I love, I love them to death, but they are work to track down sometimes, which is why I do this thing with, with green pepper. This is the Genius Recipe Tapes. We'll be right back. You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beating cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great and clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hard-working hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beating cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great and clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hard-working hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. So what is the story behind this recipe? How did you decide that you were going to do this and how did it end up in the book? You know, the concept of my book is that noodle soup is much looser than just some of the big name noodle dishes we've heard of, like buns, you know, the various regional ramens. And I wanted to fill the book with just lots of little things that if you had on hand, you could put into noodle soup. And I really do love shishito peppers, but as I mentioned, I mean, they're such, they they can be like really difficult to obtain, whether it's because of the season or the price. And the green pepper is so humble. And often they're sold alongside red and yellow peppers cheaper, even Mm. though it's the same product. So 
I wanted I wanted to give this little pepper a chance, I guess. Um, I also grew up really hating green peppers. And it wasn't until like later in life that I realized if you cook them a certain way, they just, they didn't have to be bitter or mushy the way they can be if improperly prepared. So the inclusion in this book of this recipe is kind of me making my peace with green peppers. So what were the ways that you would have them as a child that you did not like them prepared? Well, I definitely don't like them raw. You know, if they're on a crudite platter, that I really, really struggled with that as a kid. And I also found that if they were in a stew and they've just been cooked a really long time, they could just be very like limp and bitter. Uh, so I grew up in Hong Kong and the way that green peppers are cooked in uh, stir fries, like very often with beef and black bean sauce, it's a very common combination. They would be flash sauteed and just have black blistered spots on the skin, barely cooked on the inside, that's how I like them. So this kind of borrows from that. The Chinese technique that gives rise to that, you know, people often refer to the breath of the wok, mm-hmm. uh, wok hei. I don't, I don't love using that term because I feel like it sounds a little too mystical. Mm-hmm. Like, I think what it really means is like super high heat. Like <laughs> when, once you start talking about like breath of the wok, I think people get, you know, intimidated or they think it has to be a wok. It doesn't, it just like a good, pan that can conduct heat and like a high flame and you just do it quickly. The green pepper won't have time to develop any of the bitterness, but it will have all of the smokiness that I love. And then make the shishito. It's a very long answer to your question. (laughs) It's a great answer though to the skillet point that you're making. Does it matter whether if you don't have a wok, whether you're using a heavy cast iron or a stainless steel or something else? Well, so for conducting heat, you know, once you get cast iron really, really hot, that's ideal. But what I find difficult with a cast iron is how heavy it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to be able to toss with my wrist and I am not that, <laughs> what's what's the word, jacked? Um, I just, <laughs> so I think that if you have like a heavy bottomed, like stainless steel pan, that that's totally fine too. Uh, what matters is like how it conducts heat. So you want it to be able to get really, really hot and then hold mm-hmm. that heat basically yeah. so that when the peppers go in the pan, they don't just immediately cool it down. Right. Okay. You definitely don't want nonstick. Okay. You know? Yeah. Why is that? I just find that it doesn't get as hot um, as other pans, or if it does, like that's bad for the pan. So I just feel much better if I have a pan that I can feel confident just like heating up for like three, four minutes and you know it's gonna be fine. Perfect. Okay. I have a cast iron skillet, so I think that's what I'll be using. Do you have the arm strength to to really flip with that? Definitely not. Um, but I, I would say I'm a little bit too timid to flip anyway. And I don't know why that is because my husband, who is not really an active cook, flips things all the time when he does get to the stove and it doesn't seem to be a problem. But for some reason, I, I'll shake. But I right. really, if I'm going to be turning things, I think I just want the control, I guess, of using I a think I, spatula or something. I, I think I may have given the impression of like more motion. Like it's, it's not that extreme. They're not really flipping in there per se, but definitely, you know, a little bit of a jump. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think I, I don't even really do that. I'm pretty meek with the skillets. I should get more brave. Um, Speaking of bravery, a couple of months ago, there was an article on Serious Eats about how to maximize this breath of the walk, walk hay in the home if you don't have a stove with like a huge amount of firepower. And their answer was to use a blowtorch. Oh, wow. The walk in one hand and the blowtorch in the other. And I think that would be fantastic. I definitely think it would work, but I would be terrified. <laughs> and I, I have a very inquisitive cat. 
who is often present when I'm cooking. And I just, I just don't think that I need to have a projectile stream of fire, <laughs> but definitely that would make unbelievable peppers. Well, I have to say I have an electric stove and just, you know, a heavy cast iron skillet. And when I've made these before, they have still been incredible. I'm sure the heavy firepower would also be wonderful, but just the way that you cook these and also the way that you season them make green peppers like I've never tasted them before. Thank you. And so that's something that I thought of when I was writing the book too. Not only did I want to provide lots of, you know, options of things that you could put in noodle soup, but those things are in themselves standalone recipes. So even if you're not making noodle soup that night, you can just make the peppers. Mm-hmm. Um, you've made me want to make my own peppers <laughs> tonight. So, Well, they might work for you actually in this moment because you could just crank up the heat as much as you yeah. like, put as much shishimi togarashi as you want to really feel them. And, and MSG is very helpful now. Oh. Like in, I've spent my life very, very wary of MSG. Um, but in the last month, I use it and it helps. So that savoriness carries through. It doesn't, yeah. it's not dependent on smell. No, that's a, you know, when you do biology class and you like, they split the tongue into maps, those things are, are constant, even if you've lost your sense of smell and MSG is, you know, umami is like one of those things. So you're getting bitter and sour as well? Yeah. It's just, it's hard to explain when it's divorced from any other fragrance. Like, you know, I could eat a steak and I, I have the texture of the beef and the salt, but then nothing in between, but it's coming back. I don't, I don't, I don't want to upset anyone or myself. It is coming back. That must've been an incredible feeling when you started noticing it coming back. I mean, I can tell you what day it happened. It was day 16. Like I, you know, I've been counting every single day from Mm -hmm. 16 to 50 increments are really, really teeny. And does it, is it just pretty linear or is it like some days you can taste more, some days less? Well, I haven't, I haven't had it fall back, but I found that I can start smelling some things, but other things like I haven't been able to smell at all. Last night when I was making rose potatoes, I chopped rosemary. I mean, if you can imagine not being able to smell rosemary, that's one of the most fragrant things. And yet other less fragrant things in my kitchen, I can smell. So I don't know. It's all a mystery. It's Mm -hmm. all a mystery. I know this has happened to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I'm constantly Googling to see, you know, who's, who's written an essay about how many days it took. Mm-hmm. Have you found much writing about it? Well, I was actually um, interviewed in Eater about mm-hmm. it because Amanda Clute, who wrote the piece and who was editor-in-chief, also lost her sense of smell and taste. Mm-hmm. But she got back to me afterwards and it, and it took about a week for hers to come back. So seems to be some variation. That's so interesting. I have been eating these on their own every time because I love them just as they are. But if you were putting them in a noodle soup, what would you put with these peppers as your ideal noodle soup? Well, I mentioned earlier, I love the Cantonese dish of beef and black bean and green peppers. I would do something like that. I mean, I would take any kind of clear chicken or beef or vegetable stock. You wouldn't want to do like a coconut or a a rich soup with this. So let's say beef broth with rice noodles, some seared uh, sliced steak, and these peppers on the side, sprinkle some sesame seeds. And I also love to stir in a little bit of yuzu kosho mm. um, into broth. And I think that's a pretty perfect bowl of noodle soup. That sounds perfect to me. 
I love that you could just come up with that off the top of your head too. I, you know, I didn't send you these questions beforehand by any means and, and you just conjured up a perfect bowl of noodle soup. You know, that's what 30 years of fixating on one dish will do. <laughs> I'm really glad we talked about that because now I'm motivated to make it myself because I know that I need to kind of step back into that world of cooking, even if physically I'm not hundred percent ready. Emotionally, I have to, I have to delve into this food again. So maybe that's where I start. Well, you would know the right places to start. It hasn't quite felt that way like for a few weeks, but it's like I'm getting there. Well, your book is just such a testament to how how intimately you know noodle soups and all the components that can go into them. And I find it incredibly inspiring that Thank it, you so is, much. it is so flexible and you can be so creative with the different components that you put in. That was not something that I had ever really thought about before. I thought I would need to find a recipe. Thank you so much for that. Thank you so much. Really hope that the book does well and it gets out into a lot more homes because I think people do need noodle soup right now. So I asked the Food 52 community about their feelings on green bell peppers and the flood of responses made me start to wonder why exactly they'd gotten such a bad rap in the first place. Especially because so many people said only on pizza or only on a Chicago dipped Italian beef or only with a cheesesteak or jambalaya is all they're good in. All of them pretty tasty sounding things to me. What if we could all give everyone else's onlys a chance? Here are just a few. Hi, my name is Wes and I'm calling from Jersey City, New Jersey. One of my favorite ways to eat green bell peppers is a traditional Southern Chinese dish called Yurumachu. I grew up eating this in energetic and bustling dim sum halls in Chinatown, NYC with my family, and I especially miss eating in this setting during the pandemic. The peppers are cut in three or five segments that look like small pockets that can be filled with stuffing. A shrimp or fish paste mixture is then formed into the pocket and the whole piece is pan fried, first on the paste side and then on the pepper side for a few minutes each and then steamed and topped with a light savory sauce. The pepper is crisp yet tender and slightly charred. The shrimp and fish paste stuffing is a bit bouncy but feels like you're biting into a soft meatball and the combo together is savory, fresh, and delicious. It's amazing with a dab of hot mustard or sriracha. My name is Christy Meyer, and I have the food blog triadfoodies.com, and I live in Banner Elk, North Carolina. Growing up, my mom made this cheese ball, and it had cream cheese and green peppers and crushed pineapple, and it all really just worked. There's only three teaspoons of green pepper, but you would totally miss it if they didn't have the green pepper there. And it's just wonderful in the toasted pecans and parsley all rolled up together and then rolled in pecans again. It was always the first thing to go, and my mom always made one or two for a party. This cheese ball brings back memories of my childhood, and now I make it too when I can. I'm Tara O'Brady, a food writer in Southern Ontario, Canada. When I think about green peppers, my first thought is I don't like them. Red, golden, orange peppers all feel like the fruits that they are. Whereas green peppers taste raw and immature in a way. But they, as much as they feel much more like a vegetable, it is that strength of personality that makes them work so well in those specific dishes. 
one of which would be this Indian sabzi I grew up with. It was like the simple thing that we would have with chapatis on a weeknight. Shimla marsh alu. Shimla marsh meaning green peppers and alu meaning potatoes. It would be flavored really with panchburam and turmeric and the potatoes in big chunks and in equal proportion to green peppers cut similarly. The potatoes bring so much comfort, that mollifying kind of like starchiness. I couldn't imagine it without the green peppers to stand up to that. Thanks for listening. If you have genius recipes, underdog peppers or otherwise, email them to me at genius at food52.com. And to follow along with Michelle's work and her COVID-19 recovery, be sure to follow her on Instagram at Michelle Humes. Michelle is with one L. Unfortunately, her sense of smell is still very slow to return months later, and she's sharing her experiences there. Our show was put together by Coral Lee, Emily Hanhan, and me, Kristen McGlory. If you like the Genius Recipe Tapes, be sure to rate and review us. It really helps. See you next time.